I want to talk to you about the feeding of the 4,000 and 5,000. I'm not going to read it. Most of you understand it and have read it and know it. Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, 38. I will read some of it. I'll read Matthew's version in uh, verse 30, 34 is actually the text verse, Matthew 15, 34. <clears throat> the feeding of the 4,000 and the 5,000 in the Bible, the most conservative estimates of the feeding of the 5,000, this is the most conservative estimate, is that there were 15,000 people there. It said there were that many men, including women and children, but didn't count the women and children. So the cons most conservative estimate I've been able to find anywhere in my reading is that when he fed them, there was at least 15,000 people there. Could have been 25,000. That's just a whole bunch of folks. Um, obviously, in, in the day they lived, in the place they lived, getting provisions for that many people in one place is a logistical nightmare. I mean, if we, if we were to feed even 4,000, all of our, all of our, uh, all of our kitchen people and cooking people would say that's. I no, no, we're not set up to feed that many people. We can't feed that many people. Uh, they, they would, they would flinch at four hundred. They say four thousand, and then that's just the men and the women and children. We're going to get fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen thousand. Nobody knows, <clears throat> but nevertheless, it is the most conservative. Nothing in history is recorded like this anywhere. Nothing even close to it. Only God could do something like this and reproduce food instantly. Reproduce the food as they used it. I don't know quite how that all worked, but only God could do that. What did he have to work with? Well, in the 4,000, he worked with seven loaves and a few fish. And God reproduced that to where he fed at least 12,000 folks, if you're going to say three to one. In the feeding of the 5,000, there were five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Now, we're not talking 100-pound fish. We're talking a little tilapia, more than likely. By the way, Peter's fish, you want to know, Peter's fish was a tilapia. I'm almost 99.9% .9 sure of that. I was over there in the Sea of Galilee. And they don't, tilapia usually are not caught hook and line. They can't, they won't bite well on hook and line. So not, hence you see in the Bible nets. They throw nets out to catch the fish because tilapia are not really caught by hook and line on a commercial basis for sure. But tilapia do group. I have them on my lake. And I am continually taking them out of my lake and out of my lake and out of my lake because they reproduce the best of any fish out there. They're the most eaten, commercially raised fish in the world. There's a, I think Troy told me there was a hundred different kinds of tilapia. I mean, there's just a lot of different kinds of tilapia. They look different a little bit, but they all pretty much a white fish, a, a white, what you call white fish or white meat fish. I have them at my house, a hurricane food, or I would say a food on the hoof, but anyway. So what was left over? Well, the feeding of 4,000, there were seven, <laughs> seven basketfuls left over. I mean, more left over than what they originally had. Now, God's teaching us something by the leftovers. The only leftovers I really like are Italian leftovers. 
You take lasagna and put it in the fridge three days later, it's better. You take spaghetti, put it in the fridge two, three days later. In fact, if you have me over and you have me for lasagna and or spaghetti, please make it three days ahead of time. <laughs> and put it in the fridge and let it, and let it do its wonder. Those spices that you put in that, in that spaghetti sauce begin to permeate. And by the way, I might as well say this too because you're not going to have me over now at all. But if you ever did have me over, I would appreciate you going to a specialty store and buying hamburger with fat. I mean, fat like the old days. I'm talking about fat like the old days when you cook it, it leaves a half inch of grease in the bottom of the pan. Amen. My mother used to take that pan and, and, and I remember her pouring that into a, we didn't have paper, we would glass, you know, pour that into a glass and set it up in the window and then it'd get, it'd, it'd get it'd gel and then she put it in the fridge and then, you know, we had no microwaves. You had to heat everything on a stove or whatever. And so, but man, we ate good. Woo. Well, I used to come in the house. I could tell she was making something with hamburger. They've ruined hamburger today, people. Do you not care? I mean, does it not bother you that McDonald's French fries have been ruined? I don't Maybe it's because I'm getting old. But I was in McDonald's the other day, and I was grieved in my soul as I was eating those stupid vegetable-cooked French fries, tasteless French fries. And I remember when I used to stop by McDonald's. This is not in my nose, by the way. I used to stop by McDonald's just to get an order of fries. I remember that. Just to get the fries. The fries were so good, so tasty, so phenomenal, that you just said, hey, give me a large order of fries, and you'd take them and just, it, it was like gourmet, brother. It was like gourmet. And it was, I'm sorry for you young people. I am. You may be healthy, but we would have died happy. <laughs> I'm over it. Seven basketfuls on the 4,000. 5,000 had, had 12 basketfuls. 12 basketfuls. Everybody ate what they wanted to eat, and they were hungry, by the way, because they, they didn't have anything out there. No provision had been following them a long time, and they were hungry. And I don't think there's better food than God made food. I just got a feeling that was the best fish they ever ate. I just got a feeling that was the best bread they ever had. Give me another piece of that. Give me another. I'll take another piece of that. Let me have some more of that. And by the way, free food, man. You know Baptists were there. And the Bible says, and were filled. They were filled. That's Matthew 14, 20. Matthew 15, 37. And they were filled. So in the feeding of the 5,000 in 14, 20 of Matthew, it says they were filled. In the feeding of 4,000 in Matthew 15, 37, it says, and they were filled. And God wants to fill us. God does not want to leave you hungry. Are you hungry tonight? Are you hungry for the power of God? Are you hungry for the presence of God? Are you hungry to see his hand? I know I am. Oh, my, I want to eat. When I eat, brother, I want to eat till I'm full. Right? Don't torment me. I like Brother Moon. He used to say, well, that was just enough food to make me angry. And I know what he meant by that. I never had heard that phrase before, by the way. I don't know whether that's a southern expression or what, but he'd say, that's just enough to make me mad. 
And that meant there wasn't enough food there to be full. He wanted to be full. You could tell. Look at him. He wants to be full. Let me read Matthew chapter 15, verse 32, 38, key verse being verse 34. Then Jesus called his disciples on him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now. How many days? Three days. And I have nothing to eat. I have gone three days without eating. And that third day, you are just as hungry as you're ever going to be that third day. You are, now you go four, five, and six, and your hunger goes down. You get less hungry. But that up to three days of fasting, that third day is a mean day. And so here they are, three days. Woo, they have nothing to eat. I will not send them away fasting unless they faint in the way. They're getting weak in their knees. I've been there. And uh, you don't, you got to have something to eat. And his disciples said unto him, now imagine his disciples now, right? We're not talking no McDonald's, no came, no, no, uh, no place to go for food. When should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude. Every time God wants to do something, there's a naysayer right next to you. It can't happen. Brother, you can't listen to him. If God, where God guides, he will provide. He will do it. And Jesus said to them, and this is the title of the sermon, how many loaves have ye? How many loaves have ye? And they said, seven and a few little fishes. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. <clears throat> Evidently, they did not have fire ants. Just the things I'm thinking about. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them. Do you pray before your meal? People always ask me, oh, that praying before the meal. Jesus did it, I'm going to do it. It's by example, amen? And I had a bunch of chickens. Every time a chicken goes down for the water, he goes up and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. But he prayed before, and he broke them, and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples to the multitude, and they did all eat and were filled, and they took up the broken meat, and it was 11, seven basketfuls, and they did eat, were the 4,000 men beside, beside, added to then. You've got to add to that, the women and the children. So the feeding of the 5,000 appears in Matthew and John feeding the 4,000 appears in Matthew and Mark. How many loaves have ye? Imagine with me, if you would, the scene here. 12,000 people spread out after three days of not eating, no supplies, no provisions, desperate people seeking God. Really what they were there for is not the food. They were there for spiritual hunger. Apostles were asked to provide the food for the people. Incredulousness of it all and it shocked them. Why? Because I looked it up. It, that much fish and bread would take eight months wages of an average man to pay for. So this just wasn't like we're going to, a couple hundred dollars, we're going to feed these people. This was eight months wages. So figure up what you make and take about an eight, my average man, of course, not many of them in here, but average man and take eight months of your, of your work. What did they say? They said what my wife told me most of my life. We're broke. We're broke. It's not possible. Now, she didn't say that part. She just said that we're broke part. And she wasn't lying. And it was the end of the discussion. That should have done it. They had a watertight argument. We got no money. 
And it would take eight days of wages of one man to pay for all this. And even if we, they didn't mention this, but even if we had the money, where in the world are we going to get it all? Jesus asked the question of his disciples that I may be, if I am, and I am by your permission asking you, and God is asking me, how many loaves have ye? Just give me what you have, Jesus said. Just give me what you have. How many loaves have you? He didn't demand of them a specific number. He just says, what, what do you have? Just give God. You and I just need to give God what we have. In childlike faith, just believe enough to give him what you have. Trusting he will use whatever you've given him to feed the multitudes. Watching as it multiplies seeing hungry people satisfied and having more left over than you gave him. Whatever you sacrifice for God, he'll, he'll give way more back to you than you ever give to him. Way more is going to come back to you than what you ever gave to him. Don't worry about that. The biggest problem you're going to have in heaven is you're going to kick yourself for not giving more. The biggest regret, maybe the tears in heaven, part of the tears in heaven will be that we were going, wow, man, oh man, what an opportunity God afforded me. And I was, I, was, I was counting my pennies. And I should have been, I'm not talking about money now. But you know, I was counting my, my, what I could give. I'm, I, I, and I, wow. Is it too much to ask? The apostles immediately came up with roadblocks, as we do when God comes by our house and asks us for our loaves. Uh, roadblocks. What is that to so many? Even if I gave whatever I had, what is that to so many? What, what real is, what's it going to do? You know, anytime you try to do something for God, you're going to have naysayers, which have a whole list of roadblocks of why it can't happen. Now, I'm not, a stu I'm not an idiot. I want to look at the potential trouble that you're going to run into and prepare for it. But if God guides in doing something, I just, you know, I've been through every building program on this property. The property itself uh, was given to us. That was a massive roadblock that was just pushed away by God. Where are we going to, where in the world are you going to afford land in Bonita? We were going to stick this church out in some wayward road out in the East Bonita where there was almost no electricity and because the land was cheap. God says, no, you're not going to do that. I, I'm going to put you right on 41. I mean, right on, land on 41. I mean, just, you know, it speaks for itself. I'm going to put you right on 41. I go, whoa. What? 41? And then we built that first bit of McKinney Hall, and they, the, they were, we were so short on money that we used five-gallon buckets to, uh, to pour the header, five-gallon buckets of cement to pour the header. Is anybody here that helped do that? Wow. Is nobody here? Five gallon buckets. Oh, they didn't want to rent a vibrator. They took hammers on the plywood and just beat the. We probably got big void spots in that up there because you know, a, a hammer just doesn't do what a vibrator do on cement. And so you know about that, brother Joe. You, you five gallon. We had a bucket brigade where it was guided. Five gallon. I don't know about you, but five gallon cement. I don't know what it weighs, but it's more than water. And so 
Brother Morris probably knows what five gallons of cement weighs, but we were bucket to bucket to bucket. And these guys were old. They were late 40s, early 50s. I thought they were over the hill, man. I thought they needed walkers and stuff. I was 28 years old. I can't believe those guys. They outworked, they worked me into the ground. Them boys were tough. God is going to ask each of you what you have. At first, you will start out like the apostles did, probably. If, if you're normal, just say, it, when God comes by and asks you to do something for him, you're going to say, it costs too much. I got my plans, my dreams, my opportunities, my wealth, my world. You're going to really disturb my, my, my plans. If I give what I have, what difference really is it going to make among so many? So you go from no faith to little faith to eventually great faith. And by the way, that's where God, why do you think he fed the 4,000, 5,000? He was teaching his disciples. Trust me. With God, all things are possible. That's what he's trying to teach you and me through life. He, he loves us just like he loved them boys. So he wants to take you from maybe no or little faith to greater faith and eventually great faith. When they stood there and saw those basketfuls left over after everybody had eaten full, what do you think that did for their faith? God wants to do that for us too. Give God what you have. Um, give it to him, but give. Just give him your time, your talent, your treasure, your five loaves, your seven loaves, your few fish, your two fish, your talent, your gifts, no problem. The withholding what you have is a problem. Those you know who have given what they had to God. You know some people that have given what they had to God. Sometimes I wish, I wish as your pastor you knew me when I was young, when I was uh, 15, 16, 17. You would have voted me the absolute last person in our youth group that God would ever use for his for his you, you just said Lytell, he's 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 lost he's shot we got some of those kids here youth pastor don't give up on those kids those may be the kids that God touches as they give their life to him let me tell you when I was 15 16 17 I was at 16 I had my own vehicle I had my own job we paid for our own stuff and you know I was doing just really bad stuff at that time you know looking out trying to just uh, the pleasures of the world and I just thought the church kids were, were uh, square. That's an old word, isn't it? Square. They weren't hip. They weren't square. They weren't cool. I didn't run anything to do with them. And God got a hold of me. I think of D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody gave a few fish and a few loaves of bread to God. If you, I learned something about D.L. Moody that I never knew before a while back, that his English was so bad, his English was so bad, that his, his sermons were transcribed. Now, back then, they didn't have recorders, per se, so they would have people that would, is that dictate, transcribe? I can't think of the right word. They're like a court reporter, you know? They would just take down what, they, what he said, maybe in shorthand. And Remember shorthand? A shorthand. And then my wife took shorthand in college. That really helped her out. Uh, now her hand's been short all those years. But 
They took it down and they corrected his English. They couldn't, they just couldn't stand to print. I don't, I don't even know if there are any sermons that he preached that are, that are printed in the way he talked. They were just ashamed of it. They were aghast at the way they talked. But with that type of English, it has been said that a million souls came to Christ through his ministry. He did, two continents, England and the United States, got shook under this, under this Sunday school. By the way, bus captain, first bus captain in Chicago, D.L. Moody. Gypsy Smith. Gypsy Smith, old Gypsy poor. He was around, his testimony was he was a poor Gypsy boy. Now, Gypsies were known for being thieves and liars, and that was a correct report. Gypsies are some of, have been noted to be some of the most dishonest, thieving uh, people on the planet. Do you know Hitler killed many, many, in fact, about wiped the Gypsies out in Europe. Nobody says anything about that. Nobody mourns else about the Jews, but handicapped. He killed every handicap. He killed handicapped gypsies and Jews. He wanted a super race. But nobody says much. But what gypsy, at one time, Gypsy Smith would preach to 15,000 people out on a meadow area. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how God used him in two continents. Gypsy just gave him, I'm just a poor gypsy boy with very little to no education. I don't really speak well, but Lord, I'll give you the loaves I got. God's, and Jesus said to him, just like he asked, just like he asked the disciples, how many loaves have you? Uh, why do you want to know? What you're asking is impossible. It's not going to happen. He said, just give me your loaves. And he did. C.H. Spurgeon, on the other opposite side of Gypsy Smith, C.H. Spurgeon, however, was a very young man in his early 20s when God called him. And God used him mightily through the years, printing in so many ways. Bob Jones Sr. Bob Jones Sr. was a poor Alabama kid uh, raised in, raised in, a, in a, a, a wood, um, I'm trying to think, a log cabin, log cabin in Alabama. And, and Bob Jones Sr., he had, uh, has recorded over 250,000 decisions for Christ. In his time, he was uh, somewhat uneducated. I, I mean, I hate to say this about Bob Jones Sr. started college. That's kind of ironic. The boy started college, but he really did not have an education. He always respected education, and he cared about education and wished he could have had education, but it wasn't his opportunity to do. And God started Bob Jones University in 1927 here in Florida and eventually moved to Tennessee, I think it was, and eventually down to Greenville. And how many people in the world have been helped through Bob Jones University? Through a little boy from Alabama. I think of Harry McKinney. That was a pastor before me. Pastor Harry McKinney, he was a rough and ready, ready to fight at, at the drop of a hat, bartending Marine. That's a combination right there now. A drinking Marine. And, and I don't know, McKinney looked like a, McKinney was built like a fullback. He was a fullback. He was like 230 pounds, but you didn't see it. Everybody know Mike Ditkus? He was kind of like Mike Ditkus as a fullback. You would not want to mess with Harry McKinney. He would, but Harry McKinney, you know, this old bartender, he was immoral. He was a drinker. Uh, Jesus, a man came over. He used to, a man used to come over and try to witness to him, and he'd hide. He'd tell you. He'd shut the door, pull the blinds, turn the lights off. They'd run to the back of the house, wouldn't answer the door. The guy come. Finally, another uh, the guy got a hold of him and 
O'Hara McKinney got saved. His initials were H-A-M. Ham. And Pastor Herb McKinney was a ham somewhat. I love the man. He was a wonderful man to work. God used him. He, he pastored seven different churches that were failing. His ministry was to go to a little failing church. It would be similar to Council Grove. Pastor McKinney would be the guy that you'd get to come to Council Grove. He'd get a job because you know you had no money. He'd get a job to support his family by painting as it was. By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but Jim Nott is a painter. He's kept that secret from me for a long time. But now it's public. So, uh, uh, Jimmy, we got a lot of painting to do, man. I, but, uh, but uh, you know, and, and Harry would, would get a job, and his wife would, would, would babysit and do what she had, five children, so they'd babysit and do what they could. And they'd work their way, and they would that, get in that little church, start doing some soul winning in the area and singing and everything. And they, he told me seven, they'd build that church. That church would get built up to about 100, 125 where it could support a pastor. He'd resign, they'd get a pastor, and he'd go to another church of, of five or six or eight people. Now, you that start a church know how hard it is to start a church small like that. He did that seven times and left the church healthy. Now, that is a man that is not in it for himself. He's in it for God, brother. How many loaves have ye? He left the church out in Redding, Redding, California? Reading, California, Redding? Northern California, Redding, R-E-D-D-I-N-G, I think it is, Northern California. He had a church in Redding, 250, and uh, had a youth pastor. He, he, he had an assistant pastor. He had never had an assistant, never had a secretary, never had any help. It was just him, Lone Ranger, and he had a secretary out there, and he left that church for Gospel Baptist. Now, wait a minute. Gospel Baptist, that time, we're just talking uh, 20 people on a good day, and we're talking, uh, uh, we could promise him no more. All we told him was, we'll help make sure your bills are paid, but don't have a lot of bills. Well, at that time in his life, he had sold the house out there. He had enough money to come down here and at least buy a house. So he bought a house, and he had a vehicle. So we told him, we'll take care of your food and your electric and the best we can. But he went out and started painting again. His wife went and worked at a, a nursing home to try to support him. And this, is, this man is 60 years old when he gets here. He's 60 when he came here. And he started doing that so he could make it. And so we could make it as a church. And God used that man for 11 and a half years here. And I worked with him, under him, for 11 and a half years and saw gospel Baptists uh, build up by God. How many loaves have ye? You know, Harry never, never spent a lot of time on what he couldn't do. He spent a lot of time on what God could do. And if God was in it, he could do it. God will take a nobody and make him a somebody. He did that with Harry McKinney. He did that with Gypsy Smith. He did that with D.L. Moody. He did that with Bob Jones Sr. And the list is, is huge. How God will take somebody with seemingly few gifts and few talents and few abilities. But if they'll give what loaves they have to God, God can multiply five loaves or, or seven loaves and a few fish or two fish and he'll feed 15,000 people, and he'll have 12 basketfuls left over, or he'll have seven basketfuls left over. That's the God we serve. Wow. What keeps you back? What keeps us back? I think lacking is just simple childlike faith. 
You young people here tonight. You young people. That's anybody under 40. But you young people, trust in the living God. He'll take you all the way home. I remember I'd, I'd have all kinds of fears and intrepidations and all kinds of misgivings early on and wonder what in the world is going to happen. And that was just lack of faith on my part. That's all it was. We started teaching in class. You, were, you struggled with that. I mean, like, what is going to happen? Am I going to teach? And, and God came. God, I've heard good reports on your class, by the way. I don't think they're lying. I think they're telling the truth. What keeps a person back from going ahead and doing what God wants them to do? For those who do not give their fish or their little bit, their little fish and bread to God, they never see the 12,000 fed. They never see the 15,000 fed. They go on into darkness and defeat. They end their life agitated, angry, and disappointed in life as death swallows up what little accomplishments they had on this earth. I've watched enough, and I have a gift of observance, that I can tell you I've watched enough people die of the world to know that without Christ they end up bitter and hateful. Why would Robin Williams kill himself? Because he didn't give God his little fish and his bread. By the way, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll multiply your gifts and abilities. You will be able to help thousands of people if you'll give me your few fish and your few pieces of bread. He'll reward you with strong faith because you'll see it happen before your very eyes. You'll end this life, instead of angry and critical and bitter and hateful, you'll end satisfied and content and peaceful and joyful and excited and filled. I've been around lots of old Christians. And it's a pleasure to be around them. They some, some of them start getting the light of the celestial city uh, in their eyes. And, you know, they're looking for, ooh, I want to sing. I tell you, I want to sing. Each one of them had given their few fish and their bread to Jesus. And God rewards those who do that with great and mighty things which you know not. All I can tell you, the people who, when God comes by your house and asks you to do something for Him, I feel so sorry for you when you say, just what the apostles said. No, we don't have the time. We don't have the money. We don't have the gifts. You throw roadblocks. Let me say this. The God that calls you will empower you. God says, I want you to be in the bus ministry. Jump at it. Man, you're cheating yourself out of not having the beauty of what the bus ministry offers when God works through you. I think of one of these bus cabins, one of these bus routes. When's the last time you brought 20, I know that includes a driver, but let's say 22 people. When's the last time you brought 22 people to church or 26 people or 14 people or 13 people? I would say nobody in this room brought that many people to church or one of your family. These people go out and bring non-family members to the church. Years ago, we were bringing 200, 150. It was, it was common. Now, things change. 
The atmosphere changes. Well, we just keep on doing. Why? Because one soul. I never forgot the value of one soul. Our early bus routes, if we got 10 on an early bus route, we went around and had a little, we almost had a little dance, and we have to snow dance. And if you saw us dance, you'd know why we don't dance. But I mean, we we would think 10 were just, woo, Jim McCullough come in and say, hey, I got me a man full today. I got 15 people. That's why you can't discourage me. Oh, we only got only got 13. Only 13. Are you kidding me? That's a high day. We'll go out. By the grace of God, we want more. But if that's what it is, that's what it is. Amen. This question, I guess I conclude tonight is, how many loaves have ye? How many loaves have ye? If Jesus asks for them, give them to him. Our Heavenly Father, thank you tonight for your Holy Spirit. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.